Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. Brought to you by TwoWayRadioCenter.com, a Motorola value-added reseller. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping the vigilant, those men and women who stand watch, keeping our houses of worship and places of faith safe. We believe church safety and security must be a ministry first and have engaged servant leaders who continually strive for excellence and teams of motivated volunteers that are always training. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, Dr. James McGarvey and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, churchsafetyguys.com, and on the original Church Security app. Download it today. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share with your ministry. Hello, welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James, and once again, joined by my co-host, Mike. What's up, sir? How are you? I am doing well, doing well. Another weekend successfully in the books coming to yep. a close <laughs> yeah we're it's uh in that kind of hyper period after the uh attempted uh active shooter uh that was apprehended so a bit more as i told people a little bit of a slight escalation don't overreact it's not everywhere it's not a threat but you got to be aware in that that kind of a period of time following. So everybody was a bit more on edge uh, despite that, but things are perfectly fine. And as far as I know, I didn't hear anything else in the news that went off today, hopefully. So it should be good. Yeah, I haven't either, honestly. And we're talking about the the situation in Virginia uh, starting off. And, uh, you know, we've had a few, I've seen a few news articles. And of course it was actually, uh, I believe it was actually John Riley that showed, um, shared, actually showed me an article, but shared the event with me when it happened. And we, we certainly got it out there and, and started watching a little bit of it. And it's, it's definitely an interesting, I, I will say that it's definitely an interesting, uh, study to kind of review. And, um, I've passed a, a video on it, um, that uh, our our friend uh, Marco Galbraith from uh, T4 Tactics actually put together. He put together about a nine minute video, and uh, that's on his YouTube page and in our our social media groups. So, uh, if you haven't watched that, I would encourage you to go watch it. And it's definitely a good, solid video to maybe play for your your folks as well if you want to use it as a training um, tr- training incident uh, or training concern i think um honestly looking looking at the folks that uh responded it was one of those to me it seemed like it was one of those events where everything kind of came together the best way possible which is certainly you know kudos to the law enforcement for taking stuff seriously kudos to the church for responding there was a few small hiccups here and there um 
but ultimately something that, uh, that we've talked about before I've talked about it in conferences and, and with churches is the importance of reviewing social media, uh, and really taking it seriously. Yeah. And, you know, that if they hadn't, if they hadn't taken some of this, uh, this individual's postings online, it would have definitely been a different outcome because that was the, that was the tiebreaker, right. For, yeah. for things going well was someone saw some social media posts and kind of scratched their head and said, wait a second, this isn't right. And, uh, and took action on it. So I, I mean, I would encourage people to do that anyway, if you don't have, um, if you don't have a plan, for social media or someone at your church that pays attention to social media for your own page. And then also maybe those, you know, casually glancing at those that, that attend the church. Um, you really need to set that up and you, you need to move forward on doing that because that's just one uh, pre-attack indicator that, you know, we've talked about that before on the show, but that's just one area that we just haven't, churches have not taken advantage of. And you don't necessarily have to, to get to stalker level, but I can tell you that, you know, within a few minutes, if you go to the right places and you look at the right stuff that's free, you can certainly get a better idea of someone's intentions and what's going on. And if nothing else, then maybe move resources to help that person and, and be aware and better prepared. And, you know, I've, I've used illustrations before on, on the broadcast here with, with that at my church where, you know, I, I took the time and looked up somebody's, social media and kind of did a little bit of a backstory. And once we put all the puzzle pieces together, we saw that it was a lot, the story was a lot different than how it was presented. And so it, it really saved, um, saved us in a situation where some bad things could have happened and they didn't thankfully, but um, definitely something to be aware of. But if you haven't joined us in a while or uh, this is your first time, welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, our website, uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, is churchsafetyguys.com. And you can do that through our website, through uh, the church security app, which is free to download on Google or iOS platforms. And uh, we recently had another update with that, so it should be running well. Uh, but if you see any any concerns or have any issues with the app and how it's running, please let us know because we can kind of spearhead um, updates and repairs sometimes with that. And other than that, um, same old, same old. We're gearing up for a busy season. I'm busy. You're busy. Yep. <laughs> well, we just uh, we just announced our our new building rendering. Uh, the hopes of breaking ground next year um we do have awesome. the land we're working on all the different different details so uh good to good to have the the joys and struggles of of working through blueprints and <laughs> hey what about this and i mean i've i've already had them at an entrance at a different spot as an emergency exit uh because it just was there was a bottleneck in a corner that would have not created a very easy spot to get out uh, sure. if there was a situation. So we've, we've definitely already made some changes as a result. So good to be able to contribute. I may be calling you before too long and saying, <laughs> Mike, I need your help. Cause we, 
um, we are growing exponentially and, um, we've actually started talking about the possibility of finding land and, and building a steel structure and what that would look like and what we would do. And there's already been a little bit of discussion about, you know, would you have a safety office? Would you, would you do this or that? And, um, you know, so we've, we've kind of, we've had the off, you know, I've had the office, I've designed the office and, um, now I think we're kind of moving on to a a 3.0 approach where it's, more hospitality and safety versus a, a designated office. But um, yeah, we're actually looking to co-locate uh, with media production. So not, not the booth per se, or the, the normal spot we would typically see in many churches as far as working sound and lights, but sure. really more of the, the, the secure area where you're kind of storing lavaliers and other sorts of equipment uh, after you're taking down the cameras and other sorts of pieces. So somewhere that's still a secure area with low volume of traffic going in and out of uh, yeah. somewhere that we can kind of, I mean, it's, it's not meant to be a conference room, a break room or other sorts of things. It's meant to kind of come in, hang your coat, grab your stuff, do what you need, your earpiece, your radio, uh, whatever, and then move on. And that's, I think that's what we're seeing in a lot of newer structures, because if you, if you think about it with newer buildings and, and buildings that are going in, um, a lot of times churches are are building steel buildings because they're less expensive. And that's, you know, one of the things we were looking at is steel and wood Amish construction type thing. And with that, do you really need somebody there? Well, with technology now, maybe five or 10 years ago, it was nice to have a a room, you know, where it's a control room and you've got cameras all running back there. But now with technology in the cloud, with everything, you know, I can, I can look at cameras and control cameras from an iPad, you know, so do I really, and especially if I'm shorthanded, do I really need to be back in an office somewhere? You know, I can easily be at a desk greeting people and still kind of monitoring what's going on and um, being part of that hospitality team and and being in the middle of stuff. So it's certainly uh, certainly stuff to to consider. But uh, anyhow, we'll jump into the the topic tonight. You know, we've had a lot of churches, quite a few churches, reach out to us and talk about or ask about. Um, having a, having a positive attitude and not only having a positive attitude, but just getting, you know, how do you, how do you handle a situation when you're kind of run down and you're tired and how do you take care of yourself? But at the same time, how do you, um, keep a positive attitude for your team and, and a positive attitude with the ministry. And a lot of times, honestly, um, it is a challenge. And so I wanted, um, on this broadcast, I wanted to bring in, uh, our, our buddy, Aaron, uh, Wesley Hanna, who's been on the the broadcast before, um, to talk about that. So, uh, welcome Aaron. And again, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us and, and being willing to come on and talk with us. I'll pay you later, but (laughs) yeah, not, not, not a problem. You know, I I didn't have anything else going on, so I figured, you know. (laughs) hey you know what the true testament is uh when we have a guest that comes back because they 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 didn't didn't just check the box they come back and they're on again so aaron i think this three four times so we every time appreciate you coming to hanging out with us 
Not a problem. I even asked James about that. I'm like, are you just guys getting low on gas or something? Or <laughs> like, well, no. What it is is you're you're so diverse on multiple topics. You've had that life experience that I, I'm just like, you know what? Who? Oh yeah, I can talk to Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, it's, now it's it's, it's, all good it's stuff. trying to remember all of it. Yep. Well, that's what happens when you get old. Yeah, I know. I'm not there. I'm I'm not to the level you are yet. But <laughs> well, my, well, Mike's I older love. than I am, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he seems but, he seems uh, to to be pretty on it. I try. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> At least on the so, broadcast. Okay. Well, you know that's that's a a, a humble facade. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, someone speaking in his ear. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm always writing. It's it's my notes. It's preparation <laughs> and notes. It's always going in and versus shooting shooting from the hip. He's like, he's either I, writing he's either writing notes or he's uh guiding a dog out or guiding a small child out or <laughs> <laughs> So if you're watching on the video and you see a little head bob by <laughs> that's yeah, you're my two little head in this space popping yeah. in. <laughs> He's over there writing down, like, what did I say yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> what actually, promises did I make? That actually, I no, I have I have notes of all 176 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. He's more he's more detailed. My my chicken chicken scratchings here are uh are just notes for me, but Anyhow, so jumping in, jumping into the topic at hand again, thanks for, thanks for joining us. And, um, I wanted to, wanted to pick your brain a little bit because, um, you, you've had a lot of different experiences with churches and you've had a lot of different experience with life. And, um, you know, I think of, of all the people that I know, um, and I've heard, I've heard just a fraction of, you know, of your story. Um, but I think of, of all the people that I know, um, you've dealt with some things that others haven't and you've come through it and you're smiling. Um, and there are times when, you know, we all look at what's going on with life and just say, you know what, this really sucks right now. There's nothing we can do better, but how do we get out of this? How do we, how do we try and do something better? And I know there's, there's certainly, um, when you're involved in church, there's a lot of things that can get you frustrated. There's a lot of things that can kind of weigh on you. And when you're in a, a church volunteer position, ministry serving position, like church safety and security, where it's 24, seven, 365, sometimes that kind of weighs on you a little bit more. But, um, if you would, why don't, uh, for those that maybe don't know who you are, go ahead and kind of tell some of your story and what you think of this topic and, and, uh, and your thoughts on it. You don't have to tell the audience what you think about us. Cause we know, we know what that, what that looks like, or me, I'll, I'll just say me, not Mike. Cause you know, yeah. Mike's a cool guy. This isn't a stand up gig, so I can't, I can't roast you guys. Okay. Um, Fair enough. so, uh, you know, my background has been in, in public safety for almost 20 years, uh, working on jobs uh, in safety and security. Uh, I'm a licensed medic. 
and um, I started running my own company. I, I would consult for a long while, and then I started my own company where I had um, uh, a business name behind what I was doing, and it was pretty successful. Obviously, COVID happened, but I think for COVID, when we talk about COVID, I think for a lot of people, we started recognizing some of these, um, some of life's challenges don't have to be challenges, right? We started. We didn't have anything to do during COVID other than to analyze our own lives half the time, right? Um, and so that That's was true. kind of where I started jumping into um, reimagining myself, right? I knew that that there were some things in my life that I wanted to, to handle and to take care of. Um, and, and one of the big things that we all deal with is stress. And so I took a look at uh, how some of my career has impacted my life. And um, I kind of went down this rabbit hole of a, a little bit of a wellness journey. Um, you know, I, I noticed that uh, as COVID was progressing, that I, I was overweight, I wasn't feeling good, um, different things were going on. And when you understand my family's background, um, it's a little bit more concerning for me because on my father's side, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of heart conditions going on. And, you know, my father passed when he was 62. Uh, my grandparents on that side passed around the same age. Uh, one of them was in their 50s. Um, you know, he has siblings that have already passed. Uh, and so I knew that there were things that genetically that I needed to, to take care of. And so I was, I had gained some weight. Um, you know, anyone that tells you that pregnancy weight isn't a thing for men, it really is. Um, when my wife got pregnant, I gained weight. Right. And um, it was so subtle. I didn't even know it. But there were stresses. There's weight gain. Um, there's there's your your eating habits and a lot of other things. And so I started with where everyone else does you know, fad diets, trying to do the keto stuff and and everything else. And then I started realizing that um, it wasn't as beneficial for me. And I needed to take things slow because I do keto, I'd get off keto and I would gain the weight back. And then I'd do keto and then I wasn't feeling good and then I would lose weight and then I'd gain weight back. And it wasn't a holistic approach. Um, so I started simple. I, I started cutting out things like sugar. Um, and then I started noticing some health concerns and I talked to a doctor and I got diagnosed with prehypertension. Um, my my uh, kidney enzymes were elevated and being young, um, I wanted to cut all this stuff out before it became a problem. Because I knew that I was doing things that were not attributing to my health. And there are things that we do as a society and it's perfectly normal. Um, so I, I completely changed my diet. I, I completely stopped drinking alcohol altogether. Uh, I was put on medication for, for both my, my liver um, and for um, my, my prehypertension. I high blood pressure. And within a year, it was all gone. I lost almost, uh, almost 50 pounds. I think it was like, like 47 pounds I had lost within that year, um, just by changing small things. And I started noticing that little things like sleep, we all talk about it. Like it's important. Um, we don't always get enough of it. And so sleep, uh, was something that I really wanted to start looking at. But then dealing with the traumas that I have faced in my own life, right? 
having having optimism, having a little bit of hope, um, having a, a curiosity to uncover what's affected me and what's not affected me, and then break those down and try to try to deal with those. Because what I found in my own life was I can't lead properly if I'm a mess. And if I'm not taking care of myself, um, no one's going to take care of me for me. And my actions directly affect those that are looking to me for advice or for um, yeah. or information or for those that, that I'm helping with in a team environment. Um, and if I'm off, guess what? They're going to be off too. Um, yep. And that is sure. that was a, a stepping point for me to kind of really try to get things under control and really evaluate what I was doing in life and how it benefited not just myself, how it benefited others. And I think when we hear the self-care stuff, um, we have a, a negative outlook on it sometimes where we think selfishness. But again, if I'm not at my best, um, I can't expect anyone else to be at their best. And that's where mistakes happen. And some of those mistakes can be really crucial. Um, when when I started working in EMS, it was it was not good to talk about mental health. Like you start no. talking about mental health and that's your job, right? People are going to question yeah. whether or not you can do your job. And now they're really pushing for mental health to be um, a focal point, which I celebrate wholeheartedly because when you're, when you have all this stuff going on in your mind, and you don't know how to deal with it or you're not talking to anybody about it. It consumes you. And we see that really uh, big in, in safety and security because, you know, you're talking about the, the situation that happened in Virginia. And one of the big things that I noticed that I was doing, especially as an educator of this type of, of topic, was I was ruminating over these scenarios. I wasn't really doing anything other than thinking about these scenarios, how I could prevent them or how I could talk about them. I was watching videos. I was seeing images. I was seeing some of the things that, that uh, you know, people in a uh, civilian style life wouldn't see um, maybe a CCT camera footage that wasn't released to the public. And so I was constantly bombarded by all this negativity and that's all I was thinking about. I wasn't taking breaks from that. And I realized that that was really affecting my performance um, in doing my job. And it's not wrong to want to research things, but if you're out with your family and you're wondering what you can do to, to prevent an active shooter um, and you're not enjoying the moment and enjoying that time with family, um, and that's all you're doing is, is thinking about the negative or the what ifs, um, then, then you're not allowing any room for anything else in your life. And that can lead to a really big mental break. Um, and so we, we need, especially as leaders, um, and everyone's a leader. I don't care who you are or what you do. You lead in some way, shape, or form. If, if nothing else, you lead yourself. So we're all leaders, um, but some of us have positions where others uh, we have to take account for. And so um, I had to go on this big journey, and it wasn't easy. Um, I mean, I, I could tell you some horror stories about the the things that I had to go through in order to to really get through and see the light at the end of the tunnel. And um, I talked about it with an article that I wrote once. Some of the stuff nearly killed me uh, because of self-medicating to, to deal with my demons. 
And it's a very common situation that, that people that are embedded in safety and security get into. Um, and it's one that I would encourage almost anyone to get out of if they can, but do it with help because I didn't do it with help. And, and that was a, a big uh, no-no on my part. For sure. I think you, you mentioned a couple of things. I want to go back to the, the uh, mental health and self-care uh, with EMS. And uh, honestly, I say EMS, but public safety, um, certainly fire, fire sees that as well. Um, back when I did that in the nineties, um, you know, there were, I mean, there were several instances of things that happened during my career doing that where, um, you know, I was very thankful and I, I still am very thankful to this day because, uh, my dad has always been one of my best friends and he stepped in several times and saw me probably spiraling and kind of sat down with me and said, Hey, let's talk about this. Let's do this. Let's do that. And so my dad was always kind of my sounding board, you know, to be able to say, I, I need to talk about this. And, and there were things that happened, um, you know, just bad situations where, uh, you know, it, interestingly to me, I think probably one of the worst calls I ever went on, one of the worst calls, certainly, I mean, people still talk about it to this day, um, in a, in that community. But one of the worst calls I ever went on, uh, when I got home, it took me about 12 hours from the time of the call to the getting to the hospital, transporting someone, getting home, everything. And I got home and I walked, I walked in the front door and I remember to this day, I mean, this was probably 30 years ago, but I remember to this day, I walked in the front door and my dad was sitting at the kitchen table and he had two cups of coffee, one in front of him and another, you know, another one in front of an empty chair. And he's like, Hey, have a seat. And so I sat down and I didn't know until later he had been listening to the scanner and had heard all of the traffic, the radio traffic of what was going on. And, uh, and he said, you know, do you, uh, do you want to talk about it? And I said, you know, not, not right now. I said, I'd like to drink this coffee and I'd like to go to bed because <laughs> I had been up like from two in the morning straight through and I, I hadn't slept at all. And, uh, and he's like, okay, well drink your coffee. I'm going to go to work. And he's like, when I come home, we'll, we'll talk if you want to talk. And so, and I mean, that's, that's something I, I never forget, but I know the stigma that you're talking about where, you know, for a long time, and maybe if, if COVID did something well, um, maybe it did kind of open our eyes to, especially where churches are concerned with ministry and different things like that, you know, how, how do you navigate this? How do you handle, um, taking care of yourself when, even if you really want to serve, you can't because you physically have too much going on. And, uh, I, I don't share a lot of on the broadcast. I don't share a lot of, of, um, my medical issues or history or anything like that. Uh, Mike hears a lot about it <laughs> because I'm usually like, and he's got a crazy story. Mike's got a crazy story too, for sure. He's, he's had his, his ups and downs as a family and scary situations. But, you know, in the last year, I think I've had, um, probably three or 
three or four um, surgeries on my kidneys. I've had, you know, I just got done dealing with gout. I'm like, I didn't even know gout still existed. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here fighting this and fighting that and changing my diet and going here and doing all this and, you know, all this, all this stuff. But the reality is I've had to step back and my pastor has been a, a good advocate of that. Um, but he's actually even helped me kind of step back and say, look, I know you really want to help. You really want to jump in. I appreciate that. And I respect that. But at the same time, if you don't get yourself better here and take care of yourself, then you're going to run into something where you, you're not going to be able to, and you certainly aren't going to be able to, to help or be of, of benefit to your family or to others. And I think a lot of times we jump in and we look at, especially serving the, uh, the church as this, you know, all inclusive, like I have to do it. The church is open. I have to be there. And certainly, I mean, there's reason to, I mean, we talk about the benefits of serving and, you know, the physical, physical, mental, and, and, um, spiritual implications of doing that. But at the same time, um, you're absolutely right that I think if you, if you don't put yourself in a sense as a priority of your health and where your mental place is, um, then, one thing I notice is that I start, especially if I'm leading a team, I start spiraling to the point of, you know, everything that happens irritates me. And so that's my sign. Like I'm, I'm trucking along. Well, when the simple things ir- start irritating me, I know, wait a second, something's not right here. I need to step back. I need to, to reevaluate or take a break or do something because this should not normally irritate me. But you know, it is. And if I don't handle this or address this now, then there's going to be a problem later on. So Mike, you wanted to jump in? Yeah, I, I think it, 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 some great points there, Aaron. I think uh, really it's, it's the old adage of we got to put on our own oxygen mask before we help the person or the passenger next to us, whether that's a kid or somebody else. And and with those of us that are in the nature of wanting to be helpful, being out there and being alert, sometimes we forget to put our own mask on. And I'm not talking a COVID mask. I'm talking literally <laughs> the oxygen mask like on an airplane. But but really in the sense is you've got to take care of yourself. And I mean, it's I see it you know, as James mentioned. We have our seasons of, of different health things here and there. And, and uh, thankfully, God's brought us through it. But different points, but what I was really talking about, and I opened up a little bit with it is just the fact of being in that period after, after what happened in Virginia, uh, you can see that play out with people and having conversations where there's this uh, almost hypervigilance. You cross over the line of Mm. being alert into a overly alert state and almost stuck there. And so I think you were alluding to it a bit, Aaron, with the the idea of going to the restaurant and being focused on the active shooter. Well, that can be any number of things. That can be something, a news story that can be PTSD and, and, uh, or really I I liken it to something we probably have all experienced a little bit of the, this PTSD is if you've ever been in a car accident and then you go back on the road and, and you realize you're kind of hyper-focused about other cars and them coming close to you. And if it was a red car that hit you, every red car is out to get you. And it can happen. So your mind plays tricks on you in that little bit of time 
as you're kind of healing, that's a little bit of a PTSD element from that accident. So if you're, yeah. if you're always thinking about that and, and you're stuck in that state, that's not healthy. And you got to get out of that state. And sometimes it takes others or sometimes takes intervention to help snap you out of it. But you covered a couple, some of those good things right up front, kind of, of what you got to do that sleep, which is uh, certainly important. Um, the, the being able to exercise and do different things. So for me, it, it's always been walking. Like when I reach that point, not, maybe not the, the James where, uh, irritability point where you're, everything's <laughs> frustrated, but, but when I reach that point where I know like, Hey, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm out of spoons. I, I'm, I'm tapped out. I walk. I, you know, and I'll just go for a walk out in nature and, and really spend an hour. Sometimes I'll throw on another podcast. Sometimes I'll just enjoy God's creation. And to me, that's where it's a chance to kind of be one with nature and really kind of calm down. Breathing, obviously, is a big part of that. Good oxygen, getting out of my normal environment, changing the stimuli visually. It's not a screen. It's nature. All those things I've found it have become my reset button. Well, I think you touched on a, a couple good points because most people that I run across in safety and security, they've they've heard of uh, you know fight, flight, or or freeze, right? Um, and and so the that whole system, uh, the parenthetic nervous system in our body, stress isn't bad. M- too much stress is bad because when we're when we're faced with uh, a challenge or a threat in our life. Um, you know, our adrenaline kicks in, stress kicks in, we become hyper-focused on that threat, and then we make decisions, right? It's not bad mm-hmm. until we're stuck in that state, like you were talking about. Right. And literally, people can get stuck in the, the fight, flight, or freeze state. Um, and, and so they're always in a survival state, and they don't realize that they're, they're in a stress state, right? Um, you know, one little thing that I used to do that I didn't realize was causing problems until I really became mindful of it was my caffeine intake. Yeah. I I would drink caffeine and um, it was almost like I, I had to have another cup. I was kind of craving it. But the more caffeine that I consumed, the more irritated I got, the more short I got with people around me. And it got to the point where I'm like, look, I need to cut this back. And I've cut back caffeine multiple times in my life. And every single time I will have aches and pains throughout my body because my muscles have been so tense for so long with that caffeine intake that they're finally releasing. And um, even though that, that pain's a good pain, um, it's a symbol to me that like I, I've been overdoing this. Right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we have to figure out ways to get out of out of that that loop where we're stuck in a survival state and things that you're talking about. One of the things that I've always noticed, and especially we look at the Bible and how Jesus handles things. He would go do these, uh, these sermons and he would be around hundreds of thousands of people and these large crowds. And then he would go off into the mountains by himself. Right. And, and uh, there was one specific time that I remember where, where they're like, where's he at? And like, well, he's, he's still out there, right? So he's out there recharging. You know, he's, maybe he's contemplating. We don't know what he's doing. Um, you know, there, there's talk of prayer or contemplation or, you know, just kind of, but he's, he's charging himself up and he's um, getting out of the cycle. And our culture loves to put us in that cycle. 
And I hate to say it this way, but a lot of times those hypervigilant people, it's they're doing it out of fear. It, it's yeah. a, a fear-based response, and that gets us stuck. I was just actually, I was just going to say that it, it seems, especially when you, when you go down the, the active shooter role road, like Mike and I have talked about that before, it's so easy and I'm not discounting it. I'm not saying it's not important to evaluate and be aware and protect yourself and your family and, and everything. But, you know, there's, there's a balance there that it just feels like we, you know, we get pushed out, like we get sucked into this vortex of, you know, the media screaming about now churches, again, churches, you know, active shooter, this is a concern and it'll be in the media for about two weeks. And then, you know, we see the ripple effect after with churches that will reach out to us and say, Hey, can you come do training? Can you recommend a trainer? Can you do this? Can you do that? But the, the reality is it's, it's very much fear fear-induced, fear-based, where it's like, okay, you know, you still need to keep the main thing the main thing, and you still need to focus on what's important and realizing that, um, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. My wife and I had the conversation today where um, one of my daughters was hanging out with with a friend, and um, her plans changed at the last minute. Now, she's an adult. You know, she's She's fully capable of doing, she still lives at home, but she's fully capable of taking care of herself. But my wife says to me, uh, as we're, as we're going somewhere, going to church, she's like, man, I wish we could just like tap into her phone and see where she is and like spy on her. And I'm like, well, we can put a tracking app on her phone. Like I have that capability, but I said, you know, at some point, you know, you're being, I, I get that. Like you're worried you're being a parent that's, that comes into play. But at some point too, we have to trust the fact that, you know, we've raised her. She's a smart kid. She does, you know, she loves the Lord. She does some amazing things. She's got a great job. You know, she works hard. And I said, you know, at some point in time, you kind of have to trust the process and, you know, remove that fear because it's not, based on logic, right? We're, we're not saying, oh, where is she based on the, the logic? We're basing that on the fear of what could happen. And I think a lot of times, um, especially where churches are concerned, people get hung up on uh, the what could happen versus, you know, um, being prepared and continuing to do and, and focus. And I, I go back to, you know, Nehemiah in, in chapter four, where he's, he's reconstructing the wall. He's got all of this stuff going on. He didn't stand around and worry about the folks that threatened him. He set somebody up. He gave them the job of, of protection and guarding the, the, the work project. And then he went back to work and he trusted that that process and system would stay in place and do what he needed it to do. And it did. And they were able to get, get done the project that he felt like, you know, God wanted him to do. So ultimately I think that, um, I think sometimes we burden ourselves with it, but I think to go back to, to one of the things you said about Jesus, Jesus always going, um, you know, I wrote, actually wrote a book called coming back and, uh, it kind of talks about mental health and, and self-care uh, in church safety. And that was one of the things that I, I bring up in that book is that, 
um, you know, Jesus, I think it was at least three or four times pulled himself intentionally away and said, okay, I'm going to recharge now and I'm going to, you know, spend time in, um, in rest and relaxation, even in some cases, even away from the disciples where he was like, okay, you know, I'm mentoring you. I'm, you know, I'm training you to, to do this, to do my work, but I'm going to take a break from you now. So, you know, he goes and does that. But what's interesting to me is, um, before he started, before Jesus started his ministry, uh, he fasted for 40 days and then, uh, Satan came and tempted him on the, on the roof of the mountain and, or the top of the temple and in the mountain. And after he tempted him and, you know, and Jesus withstood that he basically, uh, again, pulled himself away after that trial to rest. And it actually says, I think it's in Matthew. It says that, um, the angels came and refreshed him and get, and brought him, you know, uh, food and, and water to refresh him because he had been without that. So to me, again, you know, Jesus is always the perfect example, but the fact that he went through that situation and dealt with that, dealt with it successfully, but then afterwards knew enough to pull himself back and rest and say, okay, physically, this is, this is taxing. Uh, to me, that's, that says a lot. Could you imagine if, if, uh, you know, Jesus remembered the traumatic experience he had in the wilderness with Satan. And he's like, you know what? I'm never going to go back to the wilderness again. And that's all he could think about. Was, was yeah. he, he just kept on thinking about, you know, there's the devil's in the wilderness, right? And so he would never have that ability to, to recharge. And I think sometimes we get um, we get put in, in there. We get stuck in so much. Um that anything could be a warning sign and we need to pay attention to the warning signs, but we need to also um, understand our own selves, right? We have to be mindful of, of our thoughts and our actions and our speech, because um, the bottom line is, is you're going to be better at what you do uh, when you take care of yourself. And if, um, if you do that, what happens is that translates, it's kind of a ripple effect to everybody else around you. It's no different than, than that one person that you work with that comes in with a smile on their face and like now you have a smile on their face. The day that they don't come in because maybe they're not feeling well, they have car trouble, and, and you know, they're, they're not there to lift your spirits up, you, know, you feel that. But we have to be mindful of those things and, and do just some of the basic stuff, right? Make sure we're getting enough sleep. Um, if, you, if you look at the science community, they – they really don't know uh, how much sleep you're supposed to get. It changes so often. Uh, and now it's like a range. You just do seven, seven to nine. Somewhere in there, you'll be good, right? But also too much sleep is bad. So it's like an, a balancing act, right? Making sure hmm. your, your diet's good um, as best as it can be. And I know that's a struggle for some people because prices are through the roof on some things, right? So, But just avoid the process stuff. Start there. Start small. That's the biggest thing that I had to learn. Well, I would try to do these things um, in in big chunks, and I couldn't. I had to start small. I, I cut out sugar, and then I moved to once that once I I was able to conquer that, I moved to the next thing. Right? Um, you talked about uh, Mike talked about exercising, you know, and it doesn't have to be a big gym membership or anything like that. Just break a sweat. Do that a few times a week. Do something there. Um, mm. 
I don't know if people are familiar with this or not, but there's places out there called blue zones. And uh, these are places where, where they have a large density of people that live over a hundred years old. And one of the biggest ways that they exercise is a garden. Like you don't mm-hmm. think about gardening as exercise, but they do it. And, and you know, that's their exercise. So find something that you're, you're breaking a sweat with, you're, you're moving around. And I think the biggest one for a lot of us is stress. Um, that one is, is probably the top of the list of, of things that we need to, to manage, but it's one of the harder things to manage. And James, you talked about it perfectly. Have someone to talk to, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and then ask yourself this question. If, if, if the only thing I talked to my best friend about or my confidant about is the stuff that I have in my head, would they tell me to shut up? Would they tell me to stop talking about the same thing? Because if, if, if all I think about is, is the active shooter or, um, you know, how we're not prepared for a, a real medical emergency or what happens if someone has a heart attack and, and we're seeing those, those play out in our mind over and over again, and that's all we're focused on, that's what we talk about. What we focus on is what we talk about. So if we're talking about the same stuff over and over again, um, then, then you need to make sure that, that um, you can check yourself on that because it's real simple to, to listen to what we're saying. And if it's the same stuff and it's not positive stuff, we need to add some positive stuff on there. And like when it comes to sleep, um, people don't realize this, but you can get prescription sleep aids or even over-the-counter sleep aids. That doesn't mean you're getting good sleep. Yeah, I mean, that might help you fall asleep, but it doesn't mean that you're going through the rhythms every night that you're supposed to. And things For like sure. alcohol and too much caffeine can also cause those problems. Um, with all of it, don't self-medicate. And, and that's a big one because you can't watch a TV show uh, for someone over the age of 10 and sometimes even younger these days that doesn't have alcohol involved, right? And I'm not saying that you have to completely cut out alcohol, but don't use alcohol as a crutch to help you fall asleep or to deal with your stress uh, because what that does is it builds on that stress and then you want to drink more. And then next thing you know is, is your doctor's looking at you and like, hey, how much do you drink? Oh, well, I don't drink that much. I only drink this much. And they're like, well, that's a lot. <laughs> You're like, well, I never knew that was a lot. Everyone drinks this much, right? Um, and then, and and then, you know, be mindful. Um, I know mindful is a, a word that gets thrown around a lot right now. Um, you know, you have a whole mindfulness movement, and I think some of that's skewed. Uh, but mindfulness is really about being aware, aware of your own thoughts and your actions and what's going on in the moment. And in safety and security, we always talk about situational awareness. And it's weird because a lot of the people that I know that have a career in public safety or the security sectors, they practice mindfulness on a regular basis and they just don't realize it. Right. But we don't look inward to ourselves. We don't look at our thoughts. We don't look at our emotions, what triggers us. We don't even look at our own strengths. And that's a big thing. Find your strengths and um, use those strengths on a regular basis, but be mindful of all of that. Right. And those basic, Mm. those basic principles will help you get through and will, uh, I mean, you could do other things for self-care, but start with the basics and do small chunks at a time, right? And the big thing that I, I tell people is forgive yourself. Be loving towards yourself. And and you see hear these thoughts like, oh man, you know what? I drank too much coffee today. I'm stupid. Or, oh man, you know what? You shouldn't have done that, right? If you make a mistake when you're doing these processes, 
don't worry about it, right? Because you can start again and it's not like it's going to, to be horribly detrimental, but we try to put ourselves to a standard that we simply can't meet. And so we need to give ourselves a little bit more grace and tolerance when we're trying to change things in our lives. You know, they have the yeah. whole 21 days or 24, whatever it is, will create a new habit. Um, and studies have found that what it is, is that's the beginning phase of starting a new habit. It really takes about three months for a habit to be solidly formed, right? So, yeah. um, you know, start small, give yourself some grace, some latitude to make mistakes because you're going to. Um, but I promise you at the end of the journey, you're going to feel better and you're going to be able to help out more and you're going to be able to lead teams and the people around you in a more effective way. And then you can help them do the same. I think it's, I think it's interesting. You know, there's, there's something and I, I would encourage everybody to Google it, look it up. But, um, I found myself not too long ago, I found myself constantly like fighting in my brain over a lot of different topics and, um, ended up, I actually ended up going to a Christian counselor locally and I sat down with him. Great guy. Uh, and I have nothing against talking to pastors or whatnot, but I really wanted to, to talk to somebody that didn't know me <laughs> to throw out there. Probably say, a good oh, idea. Hey, you know what? Here's what I've got going on, you know, and everything. And one of the things he mentioned to me was cognitive uh, dissonance, if I can say it right. Um, but basically what it is a lot of times is you know, our brain, we're constantly negative. We're constantly looking at things and twisting it from a standpoint of the, the negative, um, negative aspect of it to be able to, instead of be optimistic, be pessimistic. And so a lot of times when you get to that point of just over and over and over again, that creates stress it, because your mind starts saying like nonstop, we'll deal with this, deal with this, deal with this. And if you're like me, if you're, if you're an individual that likes to be a problem solver and you can't think of a problem to f or a solution to fix that problem, all of a sudden your brain is going in this endless loop where you can't get out of it. It's very challenging to, to stop and break out of it. And so, um, you know, it, it reminded me of the, I think it's, I think it was the apostle Paul that said, you know, take every thought captive. And that's one, one of the things that the counselor actually told me, he said, you know, he said, you, you beat yourself up over the, the silliest things. I'm not going to say they're dumb things because to you, they're important, but they're silly from the aspect of, you know, at some point you need to stop and shut your brain off. Like do, do things that you enjoy doing, like go outside, go shooting, go play basketball, go do this or that, because that'll fill up your, your mental tank of being able to say, Hey, this is, you know, enjoy a book, go grab a cup of coffee, whatever you need to do, but intentionally spend time doing what you like so that when you go to contribute to others, like your family, your church, everything, you know, you're not running on empty to do that for them. You've already got a full, full mental health self-care tank where you're like, Hey, I took care of myself this week because I took an hour and went to the park and sat down and read part of this book, or I went and grabbed a cup of coffee or, you know, I went off by myself and, and did, did shooting for an hour. And that was, you know, stress relief for me or something like that. 
But the truth is we have to be proactive in taking steps to block ourselves when we get into that place of constantly dwelling on stuff because it's not healthy. And there are times when obviously stress can create more medical issues and more medical concerns. And so when we're constantly fighting that stuff, um, we're not, at some point in time, we're going to crash and we're not good really to anybody because we're, we're dealing with all of that. So Mike, you, you wanted to jump in and wrap some stuff up. Yeah, there, so a couple things there is one. I, I think the where you were going, James, is um, I give credit to my father because he kind of always said this term of stinking thinking, and it was the idea you just get down this rat hole, and and one thing of stinking thinking leads to another thing of stinking thinking, and you just you're spiraling all on the basis of something that was not true in the first place. So don't go down those rabbit holes, and if you find yourself spiraling in those rabbit holes, you gotta you gotta jump out of them. And then I think often is that you, you talked a bit about it, Aaron, is the idea that we often focus on the others that are coming into our uh, congregations and our, our, our auditoriums and our uh, sanctuaries and things as extra grace required sometimes, but we don't ever give ourselves the extra grace required at times. And we got to think about that again, back with the oxygen mask, we need our oxygen too. So sometimes that grace has to be directed at us. It's our own oxygen to kind of get out of our own way. So uh, in wrapping kind of uh, some thoughts about creating a self-care plan and, and Aaron, you covered a lot of really good points. I think it's great to kind of uh, think about and, and really taking those small steps, but these are kind of some thoughts put together that were uh, really, how do you create your own plan? When you need a plan, we talk about anytime you want to improve or get better, you got to put Right, put them in writing and and figure it out. Don't just uh, uh, kind of get going. So first, identify your current state. What's your baseline? What's life look like for you right now? Are you in one of those seasons, as we talked about earlier, where maybe health is a challenge or maybe a lot is going on or maybe you're in a heightened hypervigilant state because of any number of things, PTSD or otherwise? Figure out where what does your current state look like? Identify your needs and what what do you value as an individual? Well, I mean, I know we value being those protectors, being helpful, uh, but sometimes, uh, as we've talked about in the past, sometimes the best thing we can do is step aside for the day because we need rest. Rest is not just sleeping. Rest is sometimes stepping out of our roles, out of our every Sunday, wearing uh, 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 the, the, the things that we do, and, and that's everything. That's, that's from your everyday carry, but that's our everyday carry up in our mental state as well. When we're serving and we're being vigilant, we're carrying something. So make sure you identify what needs you have and, and what do you value. Ensure you're getting that sleep. Aaron talked about that. Write down your activities that are that make you feel good. James just covered that a bit there. But write them down. What are the things you feel good doing? What are the things you don't feel good when you do? When, what are things that make you irritable? What are the things that make you cranky or frustrated? You know what? It, it can be as simple as get a piece of red paper, get a piece of green paper, and put the good ones on a green paper and the bad ones on a red paper and stick them on your mirror. 
I, I mean, maybe it takes that, but it, it could be as simple as that. Maybe it's a couple post-it notes. But write Call your down. friend in Texas and say, this is really bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's what exactly. I do. Oh, yeah. hey, Mike. <laughs> Step away from the social media. No, in that sense, yes. But, I mean, make time for those items that are on the green sheet and make sure that you're doing that above all time. So prioritize those. And then next, avoid the excuses. So there's obstacles. Out, there's things that we're all going to stumble, as, as you covered, Aaron. But there are things that purposely cause us to stumble that we don't remove from our path. We let ourselves stumble over them when we could have willingly removed them. So avoid those excuses. Get certain things out of your house if you need to. Uh, phone a friend, as, as James just talked about. <laughs> and then add a checklist. If you need to uh, be a little bit more routine or consistent, Write up a checklist and use that on a regular basis so that you make sure that you don't get in a negative rut, but you stay in a positive rut. So that focus your attitude of gratitude and and get in that side of things. Outline your support system. Name your friends, your relatives, your colleagues, your pastors. Who are those people that you can go to that you're, you're your immediate circle, your next circle, the circle beyond that? And then if if absolutely necessary, there's no shame in seeking help. Absolutely. It, there really isn't. And, and honestly, you know, thinking about it and like I said earlier, if there's, if there's one thing that COVID did well, it kind of brought all of this out to our, our minds to say, okay, you know what? We, we don't necessarily have to deal with it how we've done in the past. We can start over, we can do something new, we can do something different. Um, you know, the greatest, greatest generation, my grandfather, uh, was in world war two and, um, never talked about it. And it wasn't until, honestly, it wasn't until he, um, he passed away and, uh, we found some of his service service awards from the army that we really realized what he had gone through. And, uh, he had ended up, he actually, and, at the time he actually parachuted into Normandy and was part of the 82nd and was part of the team of men, uh, that went in to rescue the folks that were trapped in the, in the battle of the bulge. And during that process ended up getting shot and buried in a foxhole, got shot in the head, actually the back of the head, uh, got buried in a, in a foxhole for three days and they found his body, pulled him out, and he was alive. And so they took him to the hospital and, and he's, he actually stayed in the, in the military for, uh, till he retired, which was actually, um, almost right before the, the, uh, Vietnam war. That's how long he stayed in. But the truth is that he never talked about it. And he dealt with those, those really the demons of that for years and years and years from his family to his, you know, he died, died over a bar. I mean, he went to a bar every day and that was his life for the last 20 years of his life. And so, you know, we look at, <clears throat> we look at moving forward in time. And, and like I said, I mean, the, you know, the eighties and nineties, that was, that was great. You know, we started talking about PTSD and different things like that, but the truth is, Really, it hasn't been until now where we've said, you know what, if you're not okay mentally, 
you know, we're going to stop making excuses for it. This is what you need to, you need to step back. And I'd like to see, honestly, I'd like to see the church be uh, reactive and, or I'd like to see the church be more proactive than reactive because to me, it always seems like we're, we're always behind the eight ball on trying to get, you know, these concepts out there that it's like, it's not a bad thing. You know, talking about this doesn't mean that you're a horrible person. It gives you an outlet to release stress and to, to be better. That's, that's what it's about. It's about taking the time to be better, not about condemning someone for, for what they're struggling with. And, you know, that, that grace, extending that grace goes a long way. And I think that, um, I think that if we can do that as leaders, and again, like Aaron said earlier, you know, you don't leading a team doesn't mean you're just <laughs> in charge of a team. If you're if you're serving in this area, you are a leader. There are times where you have to step up and make the right decision. So make the right decision. And if you see a, a, a fellow volunteer or team member that's struggling with something, take the time to to pour into them, engage with them, pull them aside and talk to them and be that support. Um, because in a lot of cases you might understand what they're dealing with better than anybody else. And even from a different ministry, you, you might understand what they're dealing with better. But if you don't stop and take the time to help somebody who's, who's going to, I mean, that's, that's just the truth of it. And That should be as we serve and as we serve in this, in this ministry, that should be our focus, our focus. And that's true discipleship, caring about one another and, you know, pouring into each other's lives. And if, if you don't do that, then, you know, Mike and I have seen ministries where it's like, okay, (laughs) let's stop, let's regroup, let's talk about this. What's, what's not happening here. It's, this is not happening. You're not successful because you're not doing it this way and you're not, you know, not pouring into each other's lives. You're just basically going and and running through the motions. So crazy stuff for sure. Yeah. uh, Just real quick. There was something that, that Mike had uh, mentioned and it was gratitude and uh, gratitude for me is kind of a litmus test. Um, There's a, there's one way to be able to break out cycles is to randomly just, you know, write down three things a day that you're grateful for. And some people have called this a gratitude journal or whatever you want to call it, but write down three things that you're, you're grateful for every day. And if, if uh, you start having troubles thinking of things that you're grateful for, you know that you've been thinking about the wrong things for a long while, because there are tons of things that you could be grateful for. And, also, too, if you ever start that practice and um, and you're running out of things to think about, don't be ashamed of of you know writing down that you're you're grateful for a house or a roof over your head, and the next day you're like, I can't think of anything. Write down the same stuff. Eventually, as you break out of out of the, the negative cycles that a lot of times we're put in, when we start recognizing the things that we're grateful for, we'll start seeing other things that we're grateful for, right? Yep. And and they could be silly, dude. I'm I'm grateful for a washing machine because otherwise I'd have to be doing that stuff by hand, right? I mean, take it <laughs> seriously, but but the 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 idea is is write down the things that you're grateful for. And if you can think of more than three, write down more than three. But it'll help break out of a, a, a cycle that that you may be in and you may not even. Be in. 
And then that gratitude, sure. you'll see that on your face. Um, other people will see that on you and, and you'll start seeing life differently than a lot of times that we think that we have to do it based off of society or culture or where you live in life or what have you. Yep. For sure. Absolutely. And we have, we actually, it's funny, we have a, a gratitude journal uh, for church safety folks that we put together. We also have um, our, actually the first devotional that we put together, uh, War Ready, was entirely looking at mental, physical, and spiritual. Like get, yep. you know, take care of yourself because, you know, that impacts everything. If your health isn't good, you can't run across the church and help somebody else. So, you know, think about that. And it's, it's interesting because you mentioned making good habits and taking, you know, 21 days or 24 days to do that. And we set up, actually, we set up the gratitude journal to be 30 days, like, Hey, follow this through, do this for 30 days. And, and I actually gave it to somebody who I thought was having a really hard time. And at the end of the 30 days, I just gave him a copy. I'm like, brother, he's, he used to go to my church. I'm like, you, I feel like God's telling me to give you this because you really need it. And so he goes through it and he comes back to me at the end and he's like, oh my gosh, he's like, that completely changed my perspective. And I said, even if you don't think you want to do every, every assignment, every chore, every fill in everything, do it, make yourself do it. Because what it's designed to do is to give you good habits of coming out of that funk and depression and mental fog really is what it is and do better and be better and be more successful. So Aaron, thanks so much again for, for hanging out with us and putting up with us. We always love having you, having you on. So are you kidding? Putting up, putting up with you. You What? What? Well, I mean, I needed I needed some entertainment <laughs> on my Sunday night, so signed up. Well, that might be true. Putting up with me because he never he never talks to you, Mike. He's always like messaging me through <laughs> through the week, talking to me about random random things, or I'm harassing him and saying, "Hey, can you read this this script?" See, now for we're me? getting to the truth. Get yeah, get this book. <laughs> real real okay, stories. Read, read of this the book and the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Read this book for me and tell me what you think. So good stuff. Anyhow, uh, again, thanks for joining us and, and, uh, we'll definitely talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Aaron. Pleasure as always. All right. So real quick wrapping up, I just want to uh, say as always, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, if you are uh, new to the broadcast, you're welcome to click like, and subscribe in that lower uh, corner and uh, that will let let you know when we have new content coming up. But as always, you can reach out to us through our website, which is churchsafetyguys.com, or you can reach out to us through the church security app, which is free to download, free to register. And there's thousands of dollars worth of materials that are absolutely free on there. Thanks to our sponsors and our folks like you that support our ministry. Um, but we also have plenty of books, plenty of resources that we've mentioned. Those you can see a collection of on our website. And last but not least, I will give a quick shout out. October 28th uh, in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, we are doing a one-day conference. We still have tickets available. Um, 
I will actually be there with John DePietro of the Ohio Crime Prevention Association and a few other folks. I believe John Riley will be there as well. Um, and uh, we'll have some folks from Brotherhood Mutual, USCCA. So some folks that have been with us for a long time. It's going to be a great day and you don't want to miss it. There's going to be a lot of good content and it's only $40 for the day. So um, that is an amazing, <laughs> not not to hear me, but to hear John DePietro as, as it stands, if in case he's listening, because he's been listening to our podcast lately. Um, that is a crazy value for the folks that we have there. And we've only been able to do that thanks to USCCA and um, twowayradiocenter.com. Uh, our good friend Billy over there, uh, if you have any communication needs, check them out uh, online. Fantastic company and uh, really go above and beyond to help folks uh, with communication needs. So uh, big shout out for them. And as always, uh, next week, I believe we're actually going to be talking um, with John uh, Riley. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we've actually recorded, uh, he and I recorded a, a session on de-escalation and uh, more specifically running through some of that, what it is and what it isn't. And so we'll be playing those for the next, those recordings for the next two weeks for you. And um, we will be definitely be back after that. So until next time, take care. Hope you have a, a great and blessed week and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast brought to you by Vigilant Impact. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback and interaction. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams, join the discussion online, and connect with us on social media or at our website at churchsafetyguys.com. For other great ministry resources, download the Church Security app. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and Semper Disciplina, always be training. Have a blessed week.